all great stories have a beginning. If this is your first time joining us, we encourage you to start at episode one. To our returning listeners, welcome back to Sildum. Our show is a blend of radio drama, audiobook, and improvised role-playing game. I'm your host, Daniel Storm, and you are listening to the RPG Radio Show. I'm Zach McCann, and I play Gavin Rettler. I'm Andy Kanis, and I play Jacob Elias. I'm Luke Hatmaker, and I play Maze Tunnock. I'm Ben Sonic, and I play Dimitri Whisperoak. I'm Courtney Taylor, and I play Sonata Stillbrook. Previously on the RPG Radio Show, Gavin and Maze finally tracked down Brennan's killers and discovered them to be three individuals who were trying to join the ranks of the Opaque, a criminal organization said to have power throughout the entire empire. Gavin and Maze followed the would-be criminals and ambushed them in an alley, making quick work of their intoxicated foes. They recovered two requisition orders for potions that were stolen from the murdered dwarven urchin who was on an errand to retrieve them from the alchemist's guild. The priests, Brother Harlan and Brother Kai, were counting on Gavin and Maze to retrieve those potions to cure sick parishioners afflicted with the reaver's cough. Chapter 21, A Cure for the Cough. Taking the cloth off of the gem and using it to wipe the blood from his sword, Gavin silently cleans the blade and places it back into the sheath. What do you reckon's going on with your uh, dagger sword there? It's glowing a heck of a lot more than we've been used to it. And that definitely ain't good. I'm just nervous with all the... Even if it is Hyxnos' will that we kill those three, even if that's what her will was, still bothers me that the light in there's glowing like it is. I realize we can't do nothing about it now. Just, I'll keep an eye on it. Look, I don't see what it matters right now. All I know is that we still have a mission to do. This changes nothing, and we should go. I reckon you're right, but let's... Keep an eye on it. Hey, I got a feeling, a bad feeling about whatever's going on in that jewel there. Do we need more cloth to wrap it up? Well, I imagine they have something we can use. As Gavin kneels down, tears some of the cloth that the fallen tabaxi were wearing and starts to wrap it around the gem that's in Drinker. You cut off a piece of one of the tabaxi's cloaks. It's a thicker woolen fabric. Looks like it was dark green at some point, but it's been faded by the sun. You wrap it around several times, and it seems to muffle a good deal of the glow, although you can see in some of the overlapping layers of the fabric a faint purplish light just barely leaking out. But you think it probably won't be noticed unless someone looks very closely at you. Well, Maze, let's go get these potions. Yeah, if we can't help little Brennan anymore, the least we can do is help some of those other sick kids up there. This is how we can prevent more Brennans from happening, by taking charge and delivering the justice that is necessary. I can tell you're uncomfortable with what happened. How many people did we just save? 
by taking care of this. What we did was right. I I know you're right. I I know that we saved countless children of Hyksnos by... They were trying to join the Opaque. What do you say we leave these three and continue onward? Let's get out of here. And then Maze will go past Gavin, trying to look as discreet as possible based on the advice that he'd gotten from him. You know, he'll put his hood up, keep his head down, kind of run his fingers through his beard just to make himself look a little bit more put together. Gavin will thumb through their pockets to see if there's any gold or anything of use or any clues that the opaque might have given them. Sure, make an investigation check. 22. So you actually find 15 gold, 23 copper, and 8 silver. As you rummage through their pockets searching for anything else, you find what you think is the remainder of the coin that Brennan must have had on him. You've already taken the papers from the orc, the official-looking parchments that look like they are the requisition orders for the potions for those two temples. You don't seem to find anything else, anything opaque-related on them. It seems as though these three had not quite completed their application to the opaque, and therefore are not fully-fledged members. Although you suspected that even if they were fully-fledged members, they probably wouldn't have any signs on them. You know the opaque is an incredibly secretive and tight fraternity. You expect that any word that does spread about the opaque is spread intentionally to create fear and to create a respect for the organization that's known for its ruthlessness, its calculation, but most importantly, for its members never getting caught. Gavin will open up the orders that he retrieved and begin to look at them and see if there is any hint of where to go to acquire these potions. As you're reading down, you see that requisition orders can be filled at the Alchemist Guild. Uh, which you know to be on the 11th ring. Well, Maze, looks like we need to take a trip to the Alchemist Guild. That's where we can fill this order, and we can hopefully get some help and put this behind us. Do you know uh, Do you know where that is? The 11th ring. So we got to go up to, to the 11th ring? Correct. Yes, we do. All right. I'll be fi- I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'm, I'll just uh, I'm just gonna not look down and look look at you or something. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go. Gavin will collect himself a bit, look towards the entrance of the alley, and start to make his way towards the lift in order to leave this sordid business behind. Maze will follow behind Gavin, um, trying to stay as inconspicuous as possible based on the lessons that he got previously from his friend. You wend your way behind buildings, past residences, all the doors are shut tight and you start to realize what a late hour it is. You've spent a lot of time walking through the city, searching for these thugs, these bandits. You spent time sitting in the tavern and you you realize that the hour has grown quite late. As you step back out onto the main thoroughfare of the 24th ring, you notice that foot traffic has calmed a bit. There aren't quite the throngs of people that there normally are, and while the lighting hasn't changed much, the city being almost entirely lit by these 
magic lamps that you believe to be powered by the gyroscope at the center of the city. The quality of the light hasn't changed much, but you can feel the lateness of the hour and how tired you both feel as you spot a lift and make your way in that direction. You see a few more guard patrols than normal. Gavin, this doesn't concern you, as you know that most cities are more heavily patrolled at night. But at the same time, you would like to avoid them as much as you can, just because of what you've been involved with this evening. You also know that it's probably well past the hour at which you should have met back up with Jacob. Sensing the lateness of the hour and noticing the guards patrolling around the 24th ring, Gavin will begin to make a beeline for the lift. He knows the further away they can get from what just happened, the better a chance they stand of escaping unscathed, getting the potions, and getting back to their already probably concerned friends, Jacob and Dimitri. As you approach the lift, you can see there's a very small queue of people waiting to get on. You can see a triton at the front of the line, two gnomes standing behind her. And as the lift rises up from the floor beneath you and stops, a female dwarven lift porter steps off, calls for all on, and starts taking money uh, and destinations for the passengers ahead of you. As you shuffle to the front of the line, she says brightly and cheerily, Which ring for you? The 11th ring. The 11th. One moment, one moment. She pauses for a brief moment and seems to be doing calculations in her head, and she says, Three gold and three copper each, please. Gavin will make a slight show of scrounging together the money as if to make it seem like this is a hefty investment for him, and hand the coins to the porter, smile affably, and say, thank you for your kindness. Very good. Please make your way onto the lift. Maze will move very slowly onto the lift. Uh, sir, uh, there are uh, yes, entrants behind you. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Is there a certain spot on the lift that you would say is safer the higher you go compared to the other spots on the lift? Well, based on my experience, we all get there at the same time. So, uh, if you're feeling uncomfortable, take a seat in the corner. Sometimes people do that. Which corner are you referring to, ma'am? You know, anyone. Anyone. That's all right, big guy. Go on. She kind of pats you on the leg. (laughs) Maze will shimmy over to the nearest corner Uh, not looking down, and then he will sit in the corner with his legs crossed in front of him. He'll look at um, Gavin once he sits down and kind of pat the spot next to him with a toothy smile on his face. Wondering who the younger of them is, Gavin will smile softly to himself and sit down next to Maze. Comfy? Well, the nice little dwarven lady said this was probably the most comfortable spot so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty pretty good about it. Good, good. You earn some strange looks from the rest of the patrons who are clearly used to riding these things day in and day out. The queue is emptied and the porter gets back onto the lift. She looks at you in the corner and says it'll be fine. 
It'll be fine. Close your eyes. She pulls the lever. The latches drop and catch onto the blockchain that's spinning behind. And the lift begins to glide upwards. Floor after floor, you rise up with your eyes shut. You start to hear it first, Maze. Gavin, you're again afforded a view of the gyroscope that you've only ever seen a few times. But Maze, you can hear it. The massive arms of it creating deep whooshing sounds as they pass through the air. You can hear a slight crackle of energy. Gavin, you stare out at it from your vantage point on the floor of the lift, staring through the legs of those ahead of you. The sound of it reaches you, the sound of this crackling energy, but you're not able to catch a glimpse of it. You feel at this point bound to provide Maze what comfort you can so that he doesn't repeat his episode that he had in a previous lift and cause such a great scene. Does the sound that I hear sound like anything I've heard before? Make an intelligence check. Nine. It doesn't seem familiar to you, no. Turning to Maze and assuming this is going to cause quite a stir for him, Gavin will place a hand on his shoulder and say, Merely what powers everything around here. Don't be concerned. This is simply the way that this city works, and it's fascinating, and I can't claim to really understand it all myself, but it's nothing but energy, given from Hyksnos to us to make our lives easier. What ring are we on? Well, we're moving. The last you heard, the porter had called out Ring 16, and throughout this whole process, Maze, you've kept your eyes shut tight, and... Gavin has had to kind of smile and nod away the curious glances of just about everyone who's gotten on and off this lift since you first got on it. This is quite a long journey and takes up a bit more time. You know that the hour is growing even later as you travel up through the city, stopping at each floor to let other travelers on and off this lift. You eventually hear the porter call out, Ring 11. Big guy, you can uh, open your eyes now. We're here. We've made it. Maze will open his eyes, obliging her, um, stand rather swiftly to his feet, and then just kind of shimmy towards her um, with his hands clasped in front of him, kind of wringing out his hands because he's very nervous and would like to get off this lift as soon as possible. The rest of the patrons, after seeing you stand up and noticing your height, quickly move to get out of your way as you hurriedly exit the lift, Gavin sauntering behind you, nodding to the lift porter. You've made your way to the 11th ring, and as the lift loads behind you, you take several steps around the lift platform and are given your first up-close glimpse of the gyroscope. You are absolutely transfixed by it for a moment. As you stare out at it, you can see that it has enormous golden arms that rotate, and as one of them rotates past you, you see that it is inscribed with runes. You see runes that you do not recognize. You remember Nemda talking about this being 
ancient dwarven technology from before the Eclipse War, technology that was lost in that long struggle against the forces of Batoon. You're so transfixed by this for a few moments that you seem to have momentarily forgotten the reason for coming up to the 11th ring. Does the gyroscope appear to be giving off any light or heat? Make a perception check. 22. You can see faint crackling purple energy that jumps between these enormous rune-covered arms as they counter-rotate past each other. It reminds you a great deal of the energy contained in the pommel of Gavin's short sword. Time to go. We have a job to do. Right, right. Um, sorry, there's something about that gyroscope thingy just caught my eye. Um, well, do you know um, which direction we're going? How does this look, this ring look, compared to the other, like, the tracks? Just in terms of upkeep. As you start to stare around the ring, you see far less carts, street vendors, and the like. Uh, no one's hawking wares on the streets here. Gavin, you know this to be the Mint District. The Mint is the place in Bonkulir that is known throughout all of Sildum for being a place where artisans of any kind, people who truly wish to be masters of their craft, come to learn and to work. So you know that many of the finest things in all of Sildum are produced here in the Mint. You know that on the various rings there are different guilds, and that all trade of all of these crafts is controlled by these guilds. They regulate prices and your access to the craftsmen if you had enough money to make some sort of request or if you had the proper paperwork, which now you do. Starting to look out into the lessened crowd due to the lateness of the hour, Gavin will start to make his way around the ring, searching for any hide or hair that alchemy would be nearby. Sure, make an investigation check. 16. As you wander through this slightly curving main thoroughfare that curves around the inner edge of this ring, Maze, you marvel at the difference in how clean it is. You don't see any urchins on the streets here. The people are more finely dressed, many of them seeming to be craftsmen. Is there less coughing? Uh, you don't hear anyone with the Telltale Reaver's cough up on this ring. You don't know that it hasn't affected this level, but you don't, uh, you don't see people in the streets that have it. It's not as apparent as the tracks. Right. You pass several troops of guards on your way, both of you keeping your hoods up and eyes forward. Gavin, looking around, you pass by a small bakery that looks as though it might just be just starting to fire up its ovens and open up shop, anticipating the early, early crowd of craftsmen that might be coming to the ring. You can see them stoking a wood-fired oven. You stop and ask for directions. They easily point you along in the direction that you need to go telling you about the distance, about a five minutes walk, to find the Alchemist Guild headquarters. Ah, thank you for the directions, friends. Anything ready now that you've been making? Oh, we've got a few buns left over from yesterday, if, uh... They're cheap, if you'd like them. Two, please. 
Sure, that'll be uh, a cover for the booth. Wonderful. Gavin will pay them, toss Maze a bun, and start to nibble on one himself as they start to walk towards the Alchemist Guild. Maze will catch us and just take half of it in one bite. Maze, as you catch the roll that Gavin tosses to you, your fingers are slightly sticky. It seems as though the outside of this bun was glazed with honey. And as you bite into it, you get a mouthful of fluffy, airy bread that has a light sweetness to it from the rest of the honey that's on the outside. And you're incredibly grateful for the food, not having realized how hungry you were, not having a chance to stop and eat on your current mission. As you both walk towards the Alchemist Guild, finishing your food and licking the rest of the honey off of your fingers, you finally come to a place that looks as though it's unmistakably associated with the Alchemist Guild. There's a large sign above the top that in Elvish reads, The Pursuit of Alchemy. You can see deeper into an archway that's fronted with a highly polished reddish wooden desk. You can see vials and beakers, small burners with light flames going. You can see people even at this late or early hour working away at some of the stations, pouring things together, checking and rechecking ledgers. You see a man using a file who looks like he's scraping tiny flecks of gold off of a gold bar. And as they fall into his concoction, they hiss and create orange sparks. You see a female gnome who's standing on a tall stool, measuring out what looks to be some sort of dried insect. As you walk up to this highly polished desk, a dwarven female greets you. Welcome to the Alchemist Guild. Gentlemen, how can I help you? Hello, friend. We have an order we need fulfilled. Gavin will procure the orders from his pocket and hand them to the dwarf. Looking at... She looks over both parchments, looking at the state of them. They've been crumpled and crinkled. One of them appears to have a little bit of blood on it. She stares at you for a moment, shrugs, and says, That will be... Uh, 20 gold for the two of these. Do you get a lot of um, orders from the temples? Some. I was just curious. 20 gold seems a little steep for trying to help out poor people down there. Is there anything you can do? This is the discounted price for the Empire. Ah, very well. Well, that's, that's what it is. It's what it is, and... Gavin will produce 20 gold from his pocket and hand them to the Alchemist Guild member. Very good. Wait here. I know this river's cough has been a problem on the lower rings. We already have some potions made. We thought that we might be getting some more orders, so it should just be a few minutes if you would just wait here. She bustles off further into the back eventually wending her way around enough tables where you lose sight of her as Maze continues to stare in wonderment at the alchemists working behind the counter. Gavin, you're the first to notice another patrol of troops marching by in double file. They keep their heads on a swivel, and while they seem to notice you, they continue to move on. After a few minutes of Maze watching the alchemists and... Gavin, watching the thoroughfare behind, 
the dwarven woman comes back with two stacked crates carried by a half-orc assistant who sets them on top of the counter and pushes them towards you. She says, This is the order filled. Uh, Is there anything else I can get for you? No, I think that'll do, unless there's anything else you can spare that you think would help these people. Make a persuasion check. Natural 20. She looks at you and really stares at you for the first time since you've come up to the counter. You can assume she has interactions like this all the time, where she's just filling orders. She says, It looks like the two of you have been through hard times to get these requisition orders back. I... Wait here a moment. Wait a moment. I will see what I can do. And she bustles off back to the back, nodding for the half-orc assistant to follow her, and returns two minutes later with one more stacked crate. Let us say that this brute, and she points to her assistant, accidentally knocked this crate over and spilled the potions everywhere. It was a terrible mess, and he is terribly sorry, aren't you? He looks at her slightly offended, and she says... You owe me this one. His shoulders slump. And she says, These won't be missed. They were uh, they were for folks up in the Daylight District who hardly need them anyway. So, take this crate. I have a feeling they will do much more good down on the 24th and 25th ring. But... Be away with you quickly. Gavin will nod gratefully and say, Thank you for your kindness, and accidents happen. She looks over at her assistant. She says, Yes, they do, don't they? Like the last one I covered up of yours. Yes, you will take responsibility for this one. It's going to be fine. I don't care if he'll make you sweep. (laughs) You can hear the half-orc mumble under his breath as she continues to gently berate him. As you walk away, back towards the lift, Maze carrying two crates, Gavin carrying one. Each of them seems to have quite a few vials packed in straw of a dark green liquid. As you make your way back to the lift carrying the crates, you make your way to the front of the queue and it's actually the same cheery lift porter that you had spoken to earlier and she says, back again, so soon. It's great to see you again. You did just fine on your last ride. Where am I taking you to now? All the way down to the 24th ring, please. Okay, all right. Well, that'll be half the price it is to come up, so that'll be three gold and three copper. Very well. Gavin will place down the crate that he's carrying and hand the gold over to the porter and thank her for her service. As the rest of the lift fills, Maze, you don't see the stairs that you continue to get. For your odd behavior. You travel down past many floors, stopping at each one to let passengers on and off. Gavin, as you're staring out and up through the very top, jagged opening of this long dormant volcano turned into a dwarven stronghold, you can see what look like the very first shots of light, turning the sky a dusty pale pink, as you know that you've probably stayed up through the night. To accomplish this, you're both starting to feel exhausted. This is all on the heels of you just arriving at the city, 
What an eventful first day this has been for you here. Maze, you've learned some valuable and hard lessons about how you need to behave in a city. Gavin, you've struggled to become the kind of teacher that Maze needs, but feel more and more confident in your role as time passes. You continue to descend, and as you get lower, you can start to hear the cacophony of all of the tracks near these lower levels. And Maze, that is your cue to peek out through one eye at a time. And as the lift glides to a smooth stop, you hear the cheery porter say, 24th ring, this is you, big guy. You did a great job. Maze will open his eyes, look at her, not rush off, because this is reassuring. Whether or not she knows it, she's making him feel a little better. So Maze will look at her, smile uncomfortably because he's still a little scared and say, thank you, ma'am. Um, may Hicksnos light your path. And then he'll lumber off with both crates, trying to not be as fast and deliberate as he was getting on to the lift. And with your enormous size yet again, combined with the load that you carry, the crowd parts and splits ahead of you, creating a bit of a wake as you pass through. Gavin gliding along easily behind you. You make your way to the temple at the 24th ring, remembering where it is. And as you approach, you start to hear the ragged, wet coughs of those afflicted with the reaver's cough. Despite the early hour, as you peer in to the arched opening of this temple, it remains well lit. As you know, temples of Hyksnos are supposed to be. Candles burning in wrought iron brackets, and you can see the faintest shaft of daylight falling on the altar from the carved opening that must extend up and out through the side of the mountain to let in such light. And you can also see Brother Kai, just as haggard as he was when you met with him earlier, as though maybe he hasn't slept. He glances up as Maze, you darken the archway and sees the crates that you both hold and his face absolutely lights up. He leaves the bucket of water he was carrying and quietly wends his way around sleeping parishioners as he makes his way over towards you and says, I knew you could do it. Hicksnos bless both of you. I knew you could do it, Gavin. I just knew that when I saw you after all this time, that Hicksnos brought you here for a reason. She brought you to me for a reason, and maybe you don't believe that, but you should. There's no other way to describe this kind of coincidence. Well, that's the way I choose to look at it. Maze, Hicksnos bless you. Gavin, I, I don't know what to tell you. You've got three crates. We were only supposed to get one each. Well, we, uh, ran into a kind person at the Alchemist Guild. So here, take one crate and half of one, and that way you guys can have a little bit of extra help in your fight against this awful, awful illness. This will be perfect. may not be able to cure all of them, but the young ones and the old, uh, some of those who might not be able to recover from this on their own, this will go a long way. And as he's wringing both of your hands, 
he looks up over your shoulder, Gavin, and all of the blood drains from his face. Gavin will turn around and see what has darkened the door behind him. You can see arrayed behind you are at least 20 soldiers of Hyksnos. Ahead of them is a short human. He's in blood-red robes, and his eyes are covered by a blood-red cloth. Maze, as you turn, Gavin, you as well, you've never seen one of these before, but you know the description of a blind inquisitor. As you both turn to look, Brother Kai steps in front of both of you. He takes a knee and bows his head. What is it that you've come here for? The man speaks up. You can see that he's got what looks like several days of stubble growing on his cheeks, lightly peppered with gray. You can see an ornate hilt just poking out from inside the robes of a sword that he wears at his waist. It is finely wrought gold with what look like burning flames that extend up towards the blade. He speaks out and says, Brother, those two behind you are wanted for questioning about murders along the Beacons Highway. I would have you step aside. Brother Kai looks back at both of you and says, Inquisitor, I... I will obey, but... I, I want you to know that, that these two have just done a great service for the church. They've just saved many lives. The Inquisitor speaks up. This is irrelevant. They must answer for their past crimes. They are wanted by Lord Brilliant Akadim himself for questioning. And I am here to collect them. Now, you can step aside. Brother Kai looks back at both of you and then does acquiesce, standing to the side. And he murmurs, I'm sorry, Gavin, as he walks past. Gentlemen, you can come quietly, or we can make a spectacle of this. Either way, you are coming with me. Gavin will turn towards the Inquisitor and look at him. He would look him in the eye if his eyes were showing, and will say... I know not what we are accused of. Any kind of issues that we had, we acted merely in self-defense. As I have said, this is irrelevant. You are wanted for questioning. I have a duty to perform, and I will perform it. Are we under arrest, or are we merely speaking? You are under arrest. As soon as he says that, Maze will get down to one knee, take off his massive greatsword, and... We'll offer it up to the Inquisitor and the soldiers behind him. As you do that, the blind Inquisitor snaps his attention to your blade, and you can see him wrinkle his forehead for a brief moment as he seems to stare at it. He shakes his head slightly and then says, Am I to take this as you come in quietly? Yes, brother. Very good. Take him. Several of the soldiers come forward, one of them taking your blade, your pack, another one patting you down for any other weapons you might have on your person. They produce a pair of manacles and fasten your hands behind your back and all the while have left Gavin alone. The Inquisitor stares at you and says, Are you to make a fight of this? It would be very foolish. 
Well, seeing as I can do basic math, I suppose I have no problem coming to speak with you. Though it seems like the spectacle is going to happen regardless with you parading us in chains. If we're coming quietly, is this really necessary? I'm afraid it is. As Gavin is speaking, still holding the crate, he'll press the crate up against his chest and slowly start to slip Drinker into the crate to leave with Brother Kai. Make a sleight of hand check. 24. He doesn't seem to see as you manage to slip the blade, shove it inside the crate, and make a show of leaving the crate on the ground. Brother Kai pipes up and says, Don't worry, I'll get those down to Brother Harlan. Make sure to inspect the crate, and I'll be back to help distribute once we've cleared this up. He gives you a meaningful nod and says, Right, uh, right. Thank you, Gavin, and... Inquisitor. The Inquisitor turns his head and looks at Kai. Know that these two have done us a great service. They've done a great service to Hyksnos. I don't know what they're accused of, but I'd be willing to bet that anything they did, they did for the good and for the light. With that, a couple soldiers pat you down, take the rest of your weapons, your pack, all off of you, and secure your hands behind your back with manacles. They then proceed to throw hoods over both of your heads, and you feel yourselves marched in a similar direction to where you just came. You hear the familiar voice of the cheery lift porter. Inquisitor, uh, it is an honor. Where can I take you and your companions? To the 22nd ring, please. You feel the lift rise up and up, and then you feel yourself shunted off the lift the soldiers gently prodding you in the back to let you to know to move forward. You walk for about ten minutes, both of you with a soldier on each arm guiding you. You go through a series of doorways which you can hear being unlocked, doors opening, then closing and relocking. The sacks pulled off your head, and you're gently shoved inside of a cell where you see Jacob and Dimitri already waiting for you. And that's where we'll end the adventure for now. This is your host, Daniel Storm. Thank you for listening to the RPG Radio Show. If you're looking for a way to support the show, we now have t-shirts, tanks, and hoodies available with our logo. There's a link in the episode notes, and we've posted links on all of our social media. International shipping is also available to our listeners outside the U.S. If you haven't heard it yet, there is an exclusive interlude for our Patreon supporters that follows the Minotaur bodyguard, Patriot. We also just released more free content on our Patreon. The Player's Codex is a comprehensive guide to the world of Sildum, and it is now absolutely free. We also have a Build a Monster poll up, and available for voting for the next two weeks. Head over to patreon.com slash rpgradioshow to vote on the powers and build of a creature that the party could face in combat. While you're there, consider supporting the show. For as little as $2 per month, you can have a huge part in helping us bring this story to life. Supporters have access to regular audience polls, bloopers, maps, music, and much more. Thank you for listening, and for your support. We'll meet you back in Sildum soon. 